Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue, the podcast. Every relationship begins with you. And we are on um, day two of seven days in a row talking about narcissists, narcissism, narcissistic abuse. And today we're going to talk about the different types of narcissism. And really what each each type, you know, the main characteristic that each type shares. Because there are vast differences between um, different uh, degrees of narcissism. You know, there's a spectrum for narcissism. We're going to talk about that. Um, you know, here's the thing. Um, if you are with a narcissist, right, and you are not ready to break free, that's okay. I want you to bring some grace and forgiveness into yourself, right? But the best way, if you are, unless it's physically abusive, unless you are being damaged so emotionally and mentally and physically, um, I get it if you, if you, you know, you, you're not ready to leave yet. And I'm going to talk about at the end here about what you can do if you decide or you're undecided on, you know, on, on next steps. So let's get going here. So um, you know, these, there's, I'm going to talk about four different types. And again, these four types, um, they share a common core trait and <clears throat> narcissists use a variety of tactics and defenses to keep you, the victim insecure and ensure that their status and that their needs are met. <clears throat> and excuse me, I have had so many calls this week and, um, my voice is going, but anyways, <clears throat> it's easy to be confused. Um, but it's very important to understand and spot which type of narcissist you're dealing with because you, um, it, it, it's everything to know which type you're dealing with is everything and how to deal with them, how to even possibly exit, um, how to strategize what to do next. Right? So there's the grandiose narcissist, which is, you know, this is the one that you would see like on. TVs, you know, this is, these are the boastful, um, public figures, you know, they're recognizable in the, in the movies. They are, you know, they have the, the narcissistic personality disorder, right? Which they all do. Um, and that is described, which is in the, um, diagnostic statistical manual of mental disorders. So that's what the psychology, the psychologist, the psychotherapist, you know, they have deemed NPD as a mental disorder. So know that. And the grandiose narcissist falls under that. Now, the grandiose narcissist is attention-seeking extroverts whose vanity and their boldness are at times obnoxious and shameless. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously they're very self-absorbed, entitled, they're callous, explodative, they're authoritarian, and they're aggressive. Some are physically abusive. You know, these guys, these women, men and women, because it's both men and women, but they're unempathetic, arrogant, arrogant, very arrogant, think very highly of themselves and spare no disdain for others. <clears throat> okay. Um, and they're helped by their extroversion, right? They report high levels of self-esteem and satisfaction with their lives. Um, but they're causing 
so much pain to so many others. You're going to see these guys as, and women, guys and gals, as the CEOs. Um, you know, these are the, the, guy, the people that really go for, you know, they're, they're in positions of power a lot of the time. Um, and because they, what, what are they all, they're always seeking, you know, attention, domination, and they, they love it and they love to seek power by game playing. They're big game players and they will maintain relationships, but you know, but guess what? There's not a lot of intimacy and their partners are so unhappy, but they're easily seduced by the charisma and the boldness of the grandiose narcissist. So let's go to, let me talk now a little bit about the vulnerable narcissist. This is, um, this is also, the vulnerable narcissist is also referred to as the introverted narcissist, the covert narcissist. Um, and like the grandiose brother or sister, um, they're self-absorbed. They're entitled. That's the biggest thing. They are very entitled. They're also explosive. They're unempathetic. They're manipulative. And they're aggressive. And guess what? They fear the most. And this is why they shy away from the limelight. And this is why they shy away from attention. And why they are not the grandiose is because they fear criticism. More than anything, they fear criticism. So, now, if you criticize them, watch out. Then you have basically um, cornered a slippery snake, a baby snake. You know, but, uh, what do snakes, baby snakes do? Um, well, they can't control the venom they release, right? They, they're out of control. Well, you have cornered a, a baby rattler. And it is going to attack you and it's going to release all of its venom in you. They hate criticism. So they often lack autonomy. Okay. So they're very bad in relationships because they're not autonomous. You know, they have, they can't, they have a weak sense of self. So they look at you to do everything. They're imposter. They, they, these guys, these gals have, um, a lot of them have imposter syndrome. They're self-alienated. You know, they have an inability to master their environment, you know. <clears throat> and so, um, in contrast to the grandiose narcissist, rather than feeling confident and self-satisfied, satisfied, vulnerable narcissists are insecure and unhappy in their lives. They experience way more distress, anxiety, guilt, depression, hypersensitivity, and shame. Loads of those things. Let me let me tell you those again. Distress, anxiety, guilt, depression, hypersensitivity, and shame. They're conflicted, holding both the inflated and negative irrational views of who they are, of themselves. And guess what they do with the latter? They project it onto other people, to their lives, to the future. Right? So what happens is they can't get unstuck. Okay, so they, they're always um, um, staying, like, focused on what they don't have in, in what they would like, but they're so bitter that they hate themselves so much and they hate other people for having what they want that it, it, it basically, they, they get this negative um, view of everything and it becomes this bitter, neurotic, averse um, a stance against personal growth. 
They, they can't grow because they can't see that anything's wrong with them. They require reinforcement for their grandiose self-image, right? So that means <clears throat> this is the this is the the narc that will move from victim to victim. See, the grandiose narcissist will most likely be married, and not the relationship's not good, as I said. But they'll be married, and they will be able to maintain that marriage. Obviously, the partner will just feel depleted and like nothing, but they they have a much better chance. Um, these guys know. Why? Because what happens is they're so highly defensive when they perceive criticism that it triggers their negative opinion of, the, of themselves and then it triggers them to lash out at the person that criticized them. And when they need constant self, um, they need constant validation from other people, um, so they're moving from person to person. So unlike the extroverted narcissist, the grandiose, they lack positive relationships. Instead of boldly dominating people, which is what the grandiose narcissist does, they're threat-oriented and distrustful. So they have the attachment style that is avoidant and anxious. <clears throat> so I've talked about in the past that fearful avoidance, you know, are the closest to narcissists. Here you go. Oh, not closest to the grandiose narcissist. They're closest to the covert narcissist. Right. Okay. So they withdraw from others with hostile blame and resentment that internalizes their narcissism. Guess who gets the the victim most of the time? The empathetic codependent. Oh, they feel so sympathetic and they want to rescue them from their misery, but end up, guess what? Self-sacrificing and feeling responsible for them. And it's bullshit. I'm not yelling at you, by the way. <laughs> I'm just like saying it's bullshit. It is bullshit, right? Oh God, they're just exhausting. Okay, so now let's talk about the communal narcissist. Mo a lot of you are gonna know one of these. Um, they're pretty uh, difficult to identify, um, but, and it was actually only named recently, communal narcissism. Now communal narcissists, get this, okay? And I know these guys. <clears throat> They value warmth, they value agreeableness, and they value relatedness. Okay, so what does that mean? That they actually possibly could have some empathy in there, right? They want to feel warm, they want to be agreeable, they want to have relate to you. But more than anything, they see themselves and want to be seen by others as, ready for this, the most trustworthy and supportive person. And they try to achieve this through what? Friendliness and kindness. Um, but <clears throat> they're not actually really unselfish, okay? They're outgoing like the grandiose narcissist. See, that's the thing. This is what's crazy is they are outgoing. <clears throat> and you'll like them. Now, here's the difference. The grandiose narcissist wants to be seen as the smartest and the most powerful, but a communal narcissist wants to be seen as the most giving and helpful. So these are the people that like just, you almost would think they're codependent, okay? They give, give, give. Oh, they're going to their friends' kids' soccer games. They're going to their friends' this. They're doing this for the wonderful woman. Oh, I help that lady. I help that man. I Oh, I help. I give so much. I'm such a giver. <gasps> please, please. 
please everybody look at me isn't is it he or she the nicest person ever look at how much they give of themselves oh i took care of this i take care of that i take oh jesus save it because guess what it's it's vain selflessness i want you to write that down it's vain v-a-i-n selflessness it's no less selfish than that of the grandiose narcissist that's none Okay, because they're both sharing similar motives. What do they get? It high self it, it, it raises their self-esteem, entitlement, power. They're just, you know, employing different behaviors to achieve them. And you ready for this? When their hypocrisy is discovered, it's a big huge fall. And if you're the one that discovers the hypocrisy, they will manipulate and attack you as well as the covert. Worse. These are just, it's unbelievable. But if, actually, I'm not, I'm going to save that for later. Forget it. The, there's no buts. Forget it. Just, it's such a big but. Sorry that I even said the word but. Let's ignore the word but. Let's, I'm going to say it like I'm in a courtroom right now. Jury. Um, please disregard that the word but from the records transcriber. Can you please make sure not to transcribe the word but? Um, and also uh, make sure to strike it from the record. <laughs> Do you think I like law enforcement shows? <laughs> okay, anyways, let's keep going. The malignant narcissist. Malignant narcissists are considered to be at the extreme end of this spectrum, okay? <clears throat> and that's due to their cruelty and aggressiveness. They are paranoid. They are so paranoid and they are so immoral and sadistic. They find massive pleasure in creating chaos and taking people down, okay? They're not necessarily grandiose, extroverted, neurotic, but guess who they're closely related to? The psychopaths. Okay, they are very closely related to, um, you know, the antisocial personality disorder. Okay, and so what is what it is is it's like the dark. They call it the dark triad of narcissism, psych, psychopathy, psychopathy, and um, masochists. So what that looks like, um, that all three of those can overlap. And they're damaging and they're toxic, especially when it comes to intimate um, relationships. You know, think of the person that um, identity fraud, bank accounts, credit cards, you know, compromised. Um, you know, these are the people that the FBI gets involved with, right? This is bad. Um, and, and, and it's just... She really thought that this was the one. Can't even tell you how much money, right? They gave so much money. Anyways, and it's just, it's, it's, they are really the pursuit of ego gratification, vanity, sense of superiority, all of the rest of it. Okay. That's, that's the narcissist part. Then they also have the manipulation. They're immoral. They are so immoral. They're only focused on self-interest and personal gain. Okay. They're callous. They're impulsive. Um, they're antisocial and they have very bold behavior. Okay. Um, 
basically they will act out aggressively in their self interest and they lack empathy they lack remorse they're skilled at manipulation and exploiting and deceiving others and um lie deceit and cheat lie deceit and cheat is my motto for them lie cheat deceit they steal they bully okay and you really really um, have to stay away from them and this is one category that I can definitively say men outnumber women especially when the psychopathic traits were measured um, you know the lies the deceits the cheats the steals the bullying um, the callousness the impulsivity the you know bold behavior um, so and they're and they're very they're not agreeable um, they're neurotic you know they're just they're deceptive beyond belief you know I could go into um, um, how how bad they are but I don't want to take up too much time with them today a different day I will do a whole entire podcast on the malignant um, narcissist but um, they they cheat by the way when the risk of getting caught is low now when the risk is high the psychopaths and the masochists they will cheat but both will intentionally lie narcissists have a very high level of self um, deception rather than intentional dishonesty so what that means is they can basically say um, well you know what I'm doing this it's okay that I'm doing this she did this um, this isn't that bad you know what I, I you know they basically they can give themselves excuses you know um, yeah the infidelity is a big one it's just a big one infidelity is a big one for all of them you know all all sorts of narcissists so but I will do a whole entire um, podcast on the mark narcissist so let's let's go <clears throat> keep going here so if you have a hard time identifying which type of narcissist you're dealing with um, Nar grandiose narcissists oscillate between states of grandiosity and vulnerability okay so a grandiose narcissist may show vulnerability and emotionality but guess what it's usually anger when their success is thwarted or their self-concept is under attack okay um, and they indicate they they will they show you know a greater instability and likelihood of um, of um, fluctuation um, when they feel under attack right so but there's little evidence that vulnerable narcissists exhibit grandiosity which is kind of crazy but it's the truth so when you search for the um, core of narcissism okay there you, you there's there's um, what what you'll see is there's the the extroversion part there's the disagreeable part with them and there's the neuroticism neuroticism so and the the only, the one thing common in all different types of narcissism is the disagreeableness they're very antagonistic all of them um and disagreeable and 
you know, and, and it's very much characterized by what all of them do. It's manipulation, hostility, entitlement, callousness, and anger. Um, now, the vulnerable and the grandiose narcissists will express their antagonism differently. Um, the former are more hostile and distrustful, and the latter are more immodest and domineering. So that means that, like, the covert narcissist, um, the communal narcissist, right, um, those are the ones that are much more hostile and distrustful. Now, the grandiose, well, they're more modest and domineering because guess why? The grandiose are successful. The the covert and the um, communal and stuff, they're, they're usually the person that is preying on people for money, like take care of me, take care of me, take care of me. Um, so you have to understand that um, you know, they, they carry one common trait. There's one common trait they all have, and that is entitled self-importance. Write it down. They all have entitled self-importance. They believe, they believe this, are you ready? This is like, <laughs> their needs are special, and they take precedence, precedence over others. What's wrong with you? You're not telling them. Oh, my goodness. How could you not think their needs are more important than yours? Oh, so guess what? This is core is made up of arrogance, self-involvement, entitlement. And guess what? Entitlement is reportedly. I've read it over and over. Research has shown the most toxic element in relationships. Because what does entitlement say? It says, I'm entitled to whatever the hell I want. I'm entitled to, to cheating. I'm entitled to lying. I'm entitled to manipulation. I'm entitled for you to be everything in your world and me nothing in yours. I'm entitled to whatever I want. I'm entitled to the best life and I don't have to work for it. Ugh. Ugh. So, narcissism exists on a spectrum ranging from domineering and extroverted to introverted and neurotic. And the introverted and the neurotic, I'm telling you, are the most easily angered. They're the ones that use the tactics that are just emotionally abusive. This is the silent treatments people. This is the um, they find you find out something about them and they lie, they lie, they lie, and then they turn it around and blame you. Um, they're just, you know, <clears throat> a lot of them have borderline personality disorder. They're just, it's, it's, you know, the grandiose narcissists present more of a mixed bag and they function better than the vulnerable narcissist, which is, you know, the covert, the cow, um, the communal and, and in, you know, and it's because that they can be socially engaging when they choose. And, you know, their antagonism and their entitlement create problems and jeopardize, um, um, jeopardize relationships. But let's say they do attend psychotherapy. If they do, what should it do? It needs to focus on their antagonism and entitlement. Okay. Now, on the other hand, if you can get a vulnerable narcissist, to, you know, get to a therapist or a successful coach, um, dealing with these things and, you know, um, 
guess what you need to focus on with them? Their perceptions, their moods, and their emotions. That's a big difference. Okay, so the grandiose, you've got to focus on their antagonism, entitlement. With the vulnerable, it has to be about managing their perceptions, their moods, and their emotions. So these are the ones that really resemble people with borderline personality disorder. Okay, um, and while they're antagonizing, you know, you, you got to understand they become so antagonistic because of their perceptions, their moods, and their emotions. You know, really with both types, you've got to reduce their shame and their anger. It's all about the shame and the anger too. I mean, really, at the core, it's toxic shame. So whatever type of narcissist you care about, you're going to be in a very hurtful relationship. Rather than getting your needs met, you're going to be undermined. You're going to be drained. Dealing with frequent what? Criticism, callousness, hostility, demands. Oh, and this is the greatest. The entitled expectations. Don't, don't spend your efforts trying to please the narcissist or change them. You can't do it. They are unpleasable and they will not change. What do I say all the time in Relationship Rescue, the podcast? Every relationship begins with you. I always say over and over and over. This is my 53rd episode and I think most likely I've said in more than half of them. Change does not happen until it's harder to stay the same than change. Narcissists very rarely will change because they, it's nothing's their fault. It's everybody else's and they go from, and, and the ones that are the vulnerable go from one victim to the other and the grandiose one has his shit together or her shit together and she's living high on the hog so it's very difficult you're not going to change unless i mean it's they have to be so ready and very few of them can even admit they're a narcissist so how what are you supposed to do you love this person you know there's you see you know probably the biggest the the one you have the most chance of um having a relationship with anyway i would say guess would be the communal because there is some true um, desire to have um, closeness and love. But again, you have to live, you know, fit into their box. But anyways, what's the recovery? Well, you know what you got to do? And here's what I do with my clients. I never tell them to go no contact. Ever, ever, ever. Because no contact does not work until they're ready to go no contact. So I tell them all right away. Because what happens if I say to somebody, go no contact, go no contact, cut the bastard off, cut them bastard off okay well great i've given them a pep talk and we're rah 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 but then when we get off the phone though for a zoom call what happens well they miss that person and they want that person again and they start getting sad and guess what the trauma bonding takes over we'll go over trauma bonding all the trauma bonding takes over it's unbreakable at that point and so if i say go no contact to a trauma bond, and it's basically bonded by freaking Gorilla Glue, what are the chances? Zilch. And then what happens? Well, then my client feels shame. Then when she feels shame or he feels shame, what do we have to do? They Well, then we get stuck. Every session is about the freaking narcissist. Or um, they get so much shame that they can't go now in contact, they don't show up for coaching or therapy sessions again. And then they're lost to the narcissist. It's the worst advice ever to go no contact when you're trying to heal. You gotta do it like you, what you got, leaving a narcissist has to be done in a way 
that can keep your mind at peace enough that I can heal you, help you heal. That's the bottom line. And I can't help a heal person heal from a narcissist while in a narcissistic relationship if their mind in, is on fire. It's impossible. So what do I do? Well, we have to, we have to start building up their self-esteem. We have to, you know, work on their autonomy. We have to dig into where did the codependency come from? How are we going to heal the codependency? Because you are not, you know, I, I'm going to say it, secure people don't get in these relationships. And if they do get fooled, I can tell you this, if for some reason they get fooled, they get out. They don't stay. They don't. And you know, and that's sometimes the way the cards were, you know, we were born in a certain family, we were programmed a certain way, and we were failed miserably. And we were taught ways to be loved and love that were inconsistent with the ways God said to love and to be loved. And while it is not our fault, once we are aware, once we know better, we better make the decision because then you go from a victim, guess what, to a participant. And I can't feel sorry for the participant. And it's hard. It's hard to get out. It is not easy. I'm not going to lie. It is freaking hard. There is no, I can't say, you know, I, I do have certain programs the way I work with people, but you know, um, I can't say there are some people that I've had to work with for six months because honestly, the codependency is so deep within them and they are so trauma bonded to this, to the narc that it is, oh, but they do, they get out. So if you're not ready to get out, it's okay, but you got to be aware that you're no longer a victim. You're a participant. Stop calling yourself a victim. You're a participant. Do I empathize for you? Yes. Do I have compassion for you? Absolutely. But I would not entertain you complaining to me about them constantly. Yeah, of course, like when we first, uh, when I first start, but you know, if I have a friend in a relationship with this, you know what? Okay, I can hear it for a little bit, but stop now. You're a participant. I absolutely empathize. I've been here. It's hell. You gotta break free. When you're ready to break free, when you're ready to, you know, really stop the insanity, get off the insane train, or even look at it, is this person, you know, I'm actually, the next podcast um, that I'm gonna do is gonna go over the ways in which all, there's a checklist that I've created of what the narcissist has to do in order for uh, me to even think you could have a good, a decent relationship with them. And every single piece has to be um, checked off that checklist. Otherwise, it won't work. Is there a chance? 2% probably. But there is a chance. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you, the podcast. I love you. Have a beautiful morning, day, evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world. Because remember, life is good. Life is extraordinary. Life is fabulous. The birds are singing. Oh my God, the sun is out somewhere. The moon is showing somewhere. Everything is amazing. And we are alive. Alive. Goodbye.